Hi, I'm Iris Muller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and a proud mom of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. And I'm Alma Schneider, a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mom of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms No Fluff. Hello, Iris, and hello, everyone out there. Welcome to Two Moms No Fluff. If this is your first time, we are so happy to have you here. And we're just going to jump right in. Um, Iris, would you like to tell the folks at home what we're going to be talking about today? Yes, yes. Hello, everybody. Today, Alma and I are going to discuss siblings, and especially siblings in families when there is one or two kids with disabilities and how it affects the other siblings. However, I want to say that this is an episode that is relevant to everybody, even if you just have a single child in your house, because this is how we people split attention between other people that need our attention at a certain time. Yes, indeed. And when one has four children, there's a lot of splitting. There is a lot of splitting up of attention. Yes. Alma, you, you have uh, a lot of experience in this because uh, as I know, maybe you want to share with our listeners, you also came from a fairly large family. I did. I did. I came from seven children, six girls and one boy. Um, and yeah, a lot of, lot of people. And so I was kind of used to um, having a lot of siblings around and I always wanted a big family. Having um, some difficulties in the mix made it a lot more challenging, but also a lot more normalizing. So what I mean by that is having a few kids can help to kind of take away the focus. I know that a lot of families are heavily uh, focused on the child with the disability. And believe me, we are very focused on our child with a disability, but we also um, have a lot of other things to tend to. And there's something very positive about that. And when I was considering having another child after Lincoln, people thought that I was uh, crazy because we had so much going on. But other parents of kids with disabilities, I, I did consult with them. And, and numerous parents did tell me, it's actually a really good thing to have a baby um, after because you, you, you're the the kid with a disability is just one of many in terms of of you know you don't have to micromanage everything and you don't have to you know it, everything that is you know when you're hyper focused on that on that on the issues and the challenges it can take away from normal positive things that go on in a family so it kind of forces a parent or parents to to just kind of you know the kid the kid with the disability is just is you know getting the same treatment as everyone else obviously we're not neglecting things that need to be dealt with or you know making him feel like his needs are being met but just emotionally i think it's really more of an emotional thing it's like okay well i can't help you with that right now so you're going to have to wait so it sort of forces you to treat um your child like like the others and there's something very positive about that however i do want to say that you know i know many families that have a child with uh, have just one child or just um 
you know, a single child or they have two kids and they were able to do that as well. So it's, you know, it really depends on the personality, but that's, that's the first thing I'll say about, about having siblings. Yeah. I think that uh, no matter how we look at it, our other children, the children, the ones without a disability are also in light of their upbringing and being the sibling in a family with a child with a disability. They have also a very, very unique childhood and they grow up to be very special adults. And there are many advantages to growing up uh, in a family that is unique like that, but also mm -hmm. sometimes disadvantages. And I think that uh, for me as a mother, like uh, given that I only have two children, so I don't uh, really play the hard game that you play, <laughs> you know, every day with four kids. But um, I think that uh, the thing is at any given time, like, uh, who should I give the attention to? And uh, did I distribute the love and care equally at any given day or time? And, and that's a struggle because the, the very physical kind of daily needs of my daughter can really conquer any good time of the day. And uh, it's, it's a task. <laughs> and yeah. I think that uh, for, for my son, many times I would think and feel about the, or focus as a mother about the disadvantages, how much he's suffering, how much uh -huh. he doesn't get. And I think as the years went by, I started kind of flipping the coin and looking at all of the things that he gained and all the things that he knew how to do that other children that were his age or older had no idea how to deal with it. Just, uh -huh. uh, uh, and I started seeing the positive in, in that situation. So I, um, I encourage everybody to know that there are two sides to the coin. That's absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And I, it's, it's funny because people, one of the things people say, one of the things that I can't stand when people say is, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Like, don't ever say that to a parent of a kid with a disability. But um, something that people also said to me in the early days was, your other kids are going to have such empathy. They're going to be so wonderful and they're going to understand people better than other people's kids. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, that's no consolation. Um, because I was, you know, <laughs> you know, struggling in the beginning. I will say, by the way, can you hear my stomach rumbling? And my stomach is making <laughs> so much noise. right now. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I have a little cold here. Um, one of the things that I really, you know, talking about the positives is that my kids really, I have to say, they have a lot of empathy. They are really kind and they get it and they can tolerate. Um, I don't want to say tolerate. They, they are so accepting of, of people who are different and they give me a hard time. Even if I point something out, you know, about somebody, they're like, who cares? Why do you have to point that out? They're just, they're just who they are. So the kids really... I mean, I know it's a cliche, but it is the truth that kids, when they are exposed to, and this is why inclusion is so important, when kids are exposed to people who are different and have a different way of doing things and, you know, struggle or have tantrums or have a lot of anxiety about different things, the kids who are really exposed to that get such a better understanding and really are kids with more empathy um, than they might have had, had they not had a, had a sibling with a disability. So that, that you know, please remember that people that, you know, when things seem really tough for the kids who are the siblings, um, it's, 
it's it's really nice to sit back and kind of like watch how your kids flourish. I do want to say that there are, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There are some real disadvantages that have to be worked with. And that doesn't mean that your lives are over. It just means that you need to, there. you need to, and we all need to be mindful of, um, of how the attention that we do give the other kids, because it's just, it comes with the territory that there are a lot of times where all of the kids are not able to do something that other families are able to do. Like we really struggle going, you know, going to a restaurant is a pain in the ass. I'm not going to lie. It's, you know, it, there's a lot of negotiating that takes place. We, I don't allow my other kids to get, you know, really fattening carb filled fried foods because it, my, my son Lincoln can have those. So it is hard and the kids do, you know, and have, been upset about it and complained about it however we just work with that we provide outings with the other kids where they are able to have that and and my son is not tempted and gets and doesn't have to get upset feeling like he he's not able to get these things that they get i bring the other kids out and they have they can eat you know i let them have a little free-for-all junk food sometimes um or just, you know, take them out to a place where you get a standard, where they're allowed to get a soda, which I never allow. So things like that, where it is harder or it does take time away or attention away from the other kids sometimes. But you just, you try to fill it in, fill in those those gaps with with fun things for the other kids. So it's all doable is what I, what I really want to get to come across. It's... It's literally just shifting of gears so much of the time. It's not, oh, our family suffers because we have all these limitations. It's not, if you don't look at it as a limitation, you just look at it as a challenge that there are different ways to deal so that everybody gets their needs met. And that's, you know, again, that's sort of an ableist philosophy or, you know, way of thinking that, oh, once you have a kid with a disability, you're screwed and like everything is done, like you're you're finished. That's not the truth. You just, you become more creative. You get, you know, you can deal with the challenges better and you meet really cool people who are in your boat. So that's yes. all I have to say about First that. First of all, Alma, I want to kind of interject here because I know your children so well. And when it comes to empathy, like saying that they're very em empathetic is just so undermining, I guess, all of their abilities and skills because your children are absolutely amazing. And I can uh, say because, A, I probably hired and trained hundreds by now of aides to work with my daughter. But uh, when Ayla, Alma's daughter, started working with Karen, it was kind of like... I don't know how to describe the blessing of someone who already understands it all without any words, like hours on end of explanation and um, I guess introduction to the disability life were saved because she just Aww. gets it on so many different levels. And in addition to Ayla, who was able to read Karen's eye movement because Karen refused to use her communication device with Ayla and trusted her on her cognition and overall skill and ability to just understand and naturally with eye movement, which Ayla, of course, rose to the occasion, understood Karen's language, and they became best friends, as Karen, my daughter, calls Ayla now sister, <laughs> and uh, from another so mother sweet. even, but still. Uh, <laughs> Just uh, it be became an amazing friendship. But uh, in addition, also your son, Levi, I want to remind you, tutored Karen in math for That's a period right. of time. 
And it's just, uh, it, it, these are different people. It's not your typical teenager. It's just a different type of an evolved person who just doesn't like maybe use slogans like, equality inclusion <laughs> they leave it people these people really understand it in their own bodies and it's just so amazing um there is a saying that uh, is kind of running around the internet about what would happen if we invest the same amount of hours as we teach children with disabilities to communicate with the rest of the population by teaching the rest of the population to communicate with children with disabilities Yeah. And your kids are living examples of that. If we can look at disability from another angle, the problem is society and not the children that have a different level of uh, ability in one field or another. Our world would be a much, much better place. And uh, I agree. it just your teenagers are a symbol of how how it can look like if if everybody was this evolved. So and I didn't do that? and I didn't do much except expose them. You know, that's all it that's all it was. I didn't go out of my way. I did, you know, ask them to accompany us to like the disability pride parade and things like that. But they wanted to come. And I didn't have to force them. It was something that, you know, this is a part of their their life. And they, these are their siblings. And, you know, I always tell this story about about. When Isla was younger, I used to hear, Isla's now 21, and I used to hear other, other you know, families talking about sibling groups, like I need to find a sibling group for my kid. And I thought to myself, oh, am I neglecting, um, you know, her needs by not, by not connecting her with a, with a sibling group, like a sibling support group of kids with disabilities. And so when she was much younger, maybe she was like 10 or something, I can't remember. But I said, would you like to... Um, go to a sibling support group, um, you know, for siblings of kids with disabilities. And she looked at me and she was like, what? <laughs> she was like, why? She's like, it's just Lincoln. It's not, I don't think of him as having a disability. It's just Lincoln. And I just, you know, I, that's not to say that she didn't need the sibling support group, but it was just so nice to hear my own child say that about their sibling. Um, and that being said, there have been many, you know, Isla's not my only child, don't forget, I have other kids, and there have been times where, you know, the kids have been upset, like, why can't we, why can't we have orange juice in the house? Um, we, we had this big fight in a Canadian diner because the kids wanted orange juice and Lincoln couldn't have it, and it caused this big tantrum, and I put my foot down, I said, we're never having orange juice again. And I kept to it. We ne I never bought orange juice again for the house because it was just <laughs> too difficult. And they throw that in my face all the time. But the truth is they're a little older now and they go to restaurants, you know, with their friends and they can get their own damn orange juice when they go to the restaurant. They, they're not, you know, they're not being uh, punished and, you know, in some form of purgatory or hell because they don't get orange juice. So these are little things that made me feel a little bit bad before. Like, oh, my kids, I can't have orange juice in the house. That's really not that big a deal. And a lot of the stuff <laughs> is small stuff that they're upset about. It's not always these huge things like I never paid any attention to them because of Lincoln or they're small things that all kids go through. So, you know, and I don't want to speak for everyone. That's been my experience. But a lot of the a lot of the feeling of the feelings around, you know, I didn't get to do this. I didn't get to do that weren't really 
important um, or things that they would deem important at this stage of their life that they missed out on, that they feel like they benefited so much more than missing out on? Yeah, I think that um, for us, the things that were really concerning to me were times that our son at younger ages were exposed to like real dramatic scenes in which we were fearing for our daughter's life, like she would yeah. choke on food, the wheelchair would go out of control or uh, with hair in it or something like that, that uh, he saw adults around him completely lose it and freak out. And uh, that uh, that I, I, I really do believe uh, traumatized him on so many levels. Uh, I wanted to say something about what you said about the support group that one of the strategies that I, I do want to suggest today for, for people that are in this boat and struggle sometimes with the siblings and sibling relationship is that we need to acknowledge that our kids uh, without the disabilities also have some special needs around uh, being the sibling. And a support group is one option. Therapy is another. We mm -hmm. can find many venues in which we can let our uh, kids process their experience because sometimes there's a stigma, there is shame. In some families, it's really hard to invite friends over because of a mm -hmm. sibling's behavior. Uh, there's a lot, uh, a lot to be said about uh, emotional support for the sibling. And I wanted to mention actually a strategy that we did in our house with our child, and that is that... Um, he kind of by virtue of being at home and being exposed to the sessions that my daughter would taking uh, like art therapy and music therapy he always wanted to kind of join in uh, why does she get to sing with carissa why does she get to do this and that and then we thought about it and we said actually this is a very good therapeutic strategy uh -huh. and we started doing one of two versions either we um, would actually pay to have him have his therapy sessions with an art therapist who already knew him knew his sister knew his family situation and was able to help him work through art through the challenges and uh, i guess difficulties that he was dealing with and uh, also like with music therapy like the music therapist would sing a song for my daughter that they wrote together and we would have uh, our, our son hillel do the i guess second course i don't know like for, for that same uh, same song uh, with them so he was also a part of, of that and uh, would include him in some of the activities so when the music therapist would walk into the house it wasn't just karen's session uh, they were both partic participating together um whichever the dynamics is in your family and whatever uh, the situation is with the siblings in your life i think it's it's good to to acknowledge that they also need help and support and sometimes the help and support that we give them as parents is not what they need right. and um, before i hand you the mic again i also want to mention that um, as parents we also need to acknowledge our feelings about those relationships. How do we feel about the experience of a sibling with a disability? And what do we kind of project to that relationship? Uh -huh. And what do we um, kind of anticipate or uh, what are we maybe afraid of? And uh -huh. deal with our own feelings about those relationships because 
the the way that we approach it also says a lot to our children about their life circumstances and i mentioned it a bit about how i kind of changed change my perspective of things a little bit and uh, i think uh, when when i was able to make the shift on my own i think it also helped shift some things for my kids as well back yeah. to you alma that that's an excellent point and it's you know, as you're saying that, you're reminding me that um, that I have to be very careful about because my feeling is, oh, you know, you need to support Lincoln, you need to attend everything he does, you need to, and my kids didn't always want to do that, and I try, you know, I don't always succeed, but I try not to make my kids feel guilty for not wanting to participate with those things. So it's kind of, you know, being mindful of the fact that they need to distance themselves from the whole world of disability that they just because they have a sibling that doesn't mean they have to be their champion at all times it doesn't mean that they have to go out there and you know march in every parade or um but you know i think that allowing them to to come to it on their own to have the empathy and to have the i mean we always have to foster it but if we're seeing that a kid is struggling because of their own issues by having to always be um have the kid have the have the child with a disability if they have behaviors that you know could be embarrassing and we we deal with that sometimes um that if we allow them to not if we get we let them off the hook that that um you know lincoln doesn't always have to come to a social thing that they're doing um because we have to respect that it is hard for kids and we don't want to guilt them into being a supporter of the disability community. That's not going to be effective. I mean, having shame around that is not going to work. It's probably going to backfire and it's not healthy for anyone anyway. So something that I've tried to do over the years is, is allow them that distance and to make a point of saying it's totally okay. You know, that's fine. You don't need to you don't need to attend. You, I don't want to force, you know, everybody has a different personality and some kids are more shy. Some kids are more embarrassed and we don't want to, you know, increase their, their discomfort um, if they're not ready for it, if they're not ready to be with their sibling all the time and have them, you know, depending on the sibling, depending on the disability, you know, some are very overt, some are hidden disabilities, which can be worse because then they blurt things out that are embarrassing. And we've had that happen many times. Um, and the interesting thing is, is that over time, my kids have, you know, they're all, they all have such different personalities um, and how they deal with Lincoln. But it's so interesting to see how there was, you know, some distancing, some, you know, not wanting to always have him around. And then on their own, they've sort of, Lincoln is, I think that they take pride in in Lincoln and then and their relationship with Lincoln and because Lincoln's cool and he's funny and he's you know they enjoy having him in the mix with their friends whereas originally they you know they only want they didn't want to have kids come over they want because it was too difficult or they you know they always went to other people's houses and I allowed them to do that I really did because I knew that they needed their space and we have the extra layer of food um our house is like Fort Knox with food and it was embarrassing to the kids for many years that we have locks on our kitchen doors and because they felt othered by the other you know kids like what's you know what a weird household that they have locks on their cabinets and locks on their doors um it became more natural 
you know, they were very upset about it at first. They didn't want, uh, you know, they didn't come out and say it, but they didn't, they felt different from other families. And now it's like, it's so normal. And they just, I hear them explaining it to their friends who come over, new friends, like, oh, well, we have to do that because of Lincoln. And it's so normalized. So every, you know, I guess, you know, my long-winded way of saying it is that if you're being mindful and respecting the siblings of the child with a disability, w meeting them, you know, meeting their needs as much as we can and acknowledging to them that this is normal. It's okay that you feel that way. Don't, you know, you don't have to be embarrassed about feeling that way or ashamed. It's normal. They will hopefully, you will be setting them up for success in terms of being accepting and being, um, you know, adults who have a lot of empathy that's all we can do you know we have been we have been given this situation we're all doing the best that we can if we've made mistakes we can go back and say to our our the siblings i didn't handle that properly when you were growing up i didn't you know i wish i had done it this way that goes a long way too we don't know you know we don't know what we're doing we're trying we're really trying to do the best by educating ourselves but nobody's perfect yeah I think that one strategy that works, I think not just in families of children with special needs, but um, or disabilities, it's just a, a good strategy in general is to find ways to keep all siblings at center stage in one way or another. Uh -huh. And uh, sometimes the best strategy for that is to um, technically, like really divide the time. And uh, one way that my husband does that with our children is that he has a, a fun day. That's how it, he calls it, a fun day with Abba. One time uh, he would take one sibling and another time another. When I was a kid, my mother used to have date nights and uh, Wednesday was the date night. And uh, each Wednesday, it was another kid. We were four kids. So like every month we each got to have our date night with uh, my mom. But wow, uh, nice. at, at the end of the day, you know, if you have 10 children and maybe it can be something <laughs> smaller, like you are going grocery shopping and each time it's another kid. I, I don't know what it is, but if you can find a way to to really like clear the stage at one point in the game for one child and then another and then you are really there listening to them or doing an activity with them that they like and others uh, don't like to participate with mm -hmm. um, i i think that um, we spoke in another episode about uh, how my daughter is now a teenager and doesn't want to go with us to all the places that we go to and one of the things that happened as a result is that we went to our first kind of uh, overnight hotel stay with our son without a daughter for the first time ever and one of the things oh i am sorry it's okay gee life is bothering us in the middle of a podcast <laughs> so uh, basically um the activity that my son was really into was uh, the escalator in the hotel he could spend like the whole day on that escalator so my husband and i just sat down in the lobby and waited for half an hour for him to go up and down the escalator reason being that when we go anywhere with our daughter we can't use the escalator because she has a wheelchair so we always use elevators and yeah. uh, an escalator for him was like an amusement park the joy yeah. you can't even the other things that we do when uh, you know we go as a family without my daughter or he goes with one of us without my 
daughter is like sitting in a restaurant in a booth because with a wheelchair you can't sit at a booth <laughs> so these are the little things that yeah. are like big things for him and we and mm -hmm. when he gets to do them he's really uh thrilled so yeah. you don't so they can be very have, small yeah you very don't small have amounts to, of like, time uh, uh, to do something that is uh, extremely out of the ordinary but just uh, to pay attention to the experiences that sometimes our other siblings miss out on and to just divide the time so you can kind of uh, it's not maybe the quantity of the time but the quality of the time absolutely and you reminded me that when my son levi was younger he was well he's still obsessed with pizza but i took him to new york just me i took him to new york and we hit I don't know how many pizza places and I, I just I'm reminded of it because we took pictures of it and I just saw the pictures recently and we we went to like probably five different pizza places so that he could try all the different pizzas but dividing and conquering is a great way to do it you know so that the other kids don't feel left out and you are focusing on things that that each kid is interested in it's you know it it's totally you know in most cases it's pretty doable and you know in very extreme cases it may not be as doable but as you said quality is more important than quantity and talking about it goes a long way talking about it with the kids even saying i wish that i could do this with you you know maybe when you're older but letting them know that it's something that you care about that it's something that you're aware of and that they're not alone in feeling it is really important like i know you know i say to my kids it sucks it sucks that you have to have you know that you can't eat whatever you want whenever you want in front of them like it just sucks that you're limited in these ways so i acknowledge it um how hard it is and um you know it, it means something to them it doesn't yeah. change everything but it's 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 it means something Okay, and now, Alma, I want to share another strategy which totally counters what I just said about quality time alone. Listen, there's a, lot of con there's a lot of contradictory stuff that we say uh, all the time because there are a lot of, you know, that's just the way it is. Yes, and my next strategy for other parents that really worked <laughs> in our family is also trying to find an activity that uh, would be equally enjoyable for all members of the family. Uh -huh. Now, considering our situation, I already mentioned it, that we found out that any activity that everybody needs to sit down and not use their hands <laughs> is leveling the playing field because that's what um, our child who's quadriplegic can equally participate in. Uh -huh. So we started like being very kind of I guess, uh, heavy consumers of, of the arts, performing arts. And we would go and see a lot of performances, whatever we could get, like cheap tickets to, whether it was Broadway or uh, concerts, even the opera, we would just go. And uh, that was an experience that I think is both really educational for the children and uh, uh, all four of us, the parents and children alike, could kind of equally enjoy the activity. That being said, we also did some things that were kind of more adventuresome, but as long as um, my daughter could participate one way or another, we did it as a family. And then we had like good quality time as a family in which um, everybody enjoyed their time, maybe in a very different way in, uh, mm -hmm. in the sense that how they approach the activity, but it worked for us. Now, as I am uh, very active in my community in terms of uh, recreation and opportunities for people with disabilities, I try to always um, 
advocate for uh, activities that are meant uh, in a way meant for because that's segregation i don't like that but activities that are meant for children uh, that have disabilities that they would always include siblings a because uh -huh. siblings know best how to interact and um, and participate with other children with disabilities not just with their own sibling but in addition it gives an opportunity for the family to have an outing in which everybody is there and especially if there are freebies and uh, other other uh -huh. kind of uh, goodies that are related to being a part of it it's it's nice to have everybody in the family included yeah absolutely and you, you know, talking about going on outings, having people over is a strategy that we employed as well. Having people over with their families, because a lot of you know our friends have kids with disabilities, and they have siblings who are neurotypical. So having them come over with their siblings kind of allowed our kids to see that oh, like we're not the only ones. You know, without even having to say a word, we're not the only ones, and it's you know more of a. I want to say normalizing experience, but you know I don't even like the word normal. But it may it's an even you know level playing field that they don't have to feel embarrassed about certain behaviors that are exhibited because their friend's sibling is exhibiting equally embarrassing you know yeah. behavior. So that's a nice thing to do as well, and it's just nice to for the grown-ups to be hanging out with people who just get it. So that's a, a, another plus. We've started having. Um, uh, some families over where the kids, you know, the, the kids who are, are neurotypical and who are not all go in the basement and watch a movie while all the parents are upstairs, you know, hanging out, doing all sorts of things that, uh, <laughs> I won't mention here, but, um, <laughs> but having a good time. So there's, there are lots of ways to do it and to expose, you know, expose our kids without making them feel like their whole life is about disability because they might not they that might be great for them it might not and if you notice a lot of people in your world who are the professionals the the therapists and the teachers and the doctors a lot of them have family members with disabilities and that says something that you know some people might run from disability you know when they get older if they have a sibling because it was a lot when they were growing up but there are probably more people who go into the helping fields because of their sibling or their their family member with disabilities Yes, and I have another kind of point that I wanted to share, and that is that we need to remember as the adults in this game that the relationship between the siblings is also age dependent is, and stage dependent, that yes. kids always change, they grow, they uh, develop different perspectives. And uh, what is going on in your life right here, right now might be totally different in two years time. And I think that for us as parents, like uh, the first maybe five years of my son's life, the disability didn't even exist. He didn't really think or see that anything was different. It was a, a normal thing for him. He used to actually create these fights kind of with his sister, like, you don't touch my Legos. Uh, yeah. And we were like, how can she touch your leg? She can't move her hand. Like, I, don't come into my room. I know you're going to steal my Legos. <laughs> and then we were like, what? And he'll start crying and get ever, even upset that she didn't say a word because she's nonverbal. <laughs> he would like <laughs> just create his, his own drama around things like that. That and, is and so I would, funny. I know, but I would look at I that can see I'm it like, too. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> knowing the 
the boy <laughs> in the tale, yes. <laughs> but that anyway, really I, I just, um, uh, I think um, Alma and I once discussed this, that uh, for us it was like a, a one day in which, poof, the uh, understanding that something is profoundly different about his sister and about uh, mm -hmm. life is when uh, we were once on a business trip with my husband and we were in Beijing and uh, um, as I told everybody in another episode, we like to kind of uh, have the kids watch movies and learn about a place that we are going to visit in advance. So they kind of maximize the learning experience around that uh, country and culture. And uh, the Olympic Park in Beijing was later turned into a uh, indoor gigantic water park, which looks from uh, videos <laughs> quite amazing. Now, you need to remember, this is a general comment for everybody, that uh, cities that host the Olympics, the Olympic Games, also ho host the Paralympic Games later on. So they need to be really wheelchair accessible because there are so many guests and uh, athletes that arrive that have wheelchairs and other mobility aids, etc. So we were, of course, under the assumption that everything is going to be wheelchair accessible and work for us. But we arrived in China and came to the Olympic Park and uh, they saw the wheelchair and said, no can do. We don't let people with disabilities in. And uh, uh, we- Because they couldn't accommodate. They couldn't accommodate it. I, I don't really know because there was a serious language barrier. Oh. It's uh, very hard to find English speakers. There was one person there that was helping us. And for two hours, we were trying to negotiate the situation because our kids were like so into this. They just came to China for the water park. Let's face oh. it. The Great Wall wasn't of interest to them. <laughs> they, they were there for the water park. And at the end of that day, uh, we weren't allowed in. And I think that that was kind of the day that the page turned. And my son finally understood that there is some serious liability in this situation. And at that age and stage in life, uh, he used to say, uh, because he didn't really know, I think, the vocabulary of a disability, etc., because we would never talk about Karen as a person with a disability, he said that she's a wheelchair accessible sister. <laughs> <laughs> and now that you are talking about like inviting uh, other people into your life that have uh, siblings with disabilities, other families that are in the same situation, um, our son Hillel would come to us and say, I saw another family with a wheelchair accessible girl. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he, he would like uh, want us to become friends with them because they, yeah. they also had a wheelchair Something accessible in child. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So um, at the end of the day, this is a, a way that also the, um, the, the siblings really do find a lot of comfort because it's not just their situation. It's not just their mm -hmm. family. Yeah, there are other families like that, you know, out there. And it's part of their identity to have a sibling with a disability. It's a culture. Yes. It's a different. It's an alternative lifestyle, as I like to call it. So that's their identity. So to just cut that off from who they are would be, you know, would be something sad it's cutting off part of their identity so my kids really um you know they've come a long way too it really is age and stage dependent how they feel about it um some kids might be totally fine from day one and and you know i was just watching american idol and there was a guy performing and he for his audition and he performed with his sister who had some rare genetic disorder 
And um, he brought her up there. He wrote the song for her. And he was a teenager. You know, a lot of teenagers might not have even wanted anybody to know that they had a sibling with a disability. But this, you know, everybody's different. And this kid brought her up to meet Lionel Richie and Katy Perry, who were the, <laughs> the judges. So there's a lot of pride. Um, there's a lot of pride because these siblings, they see what their siblings go through and they are proud of them, you know, that they can overcome a lot of this stuff. So there's just a lot of beauty in all of this. Maybe we should leave it on that note. Have we, have we covered, I think we've covered a lot and we'll continue talking about this because um, it is an important issue. Um, and we hope, we hope we've shared some strategies that people can use to make everyone's life a little bit more happy and stress-free and successful. Yes, and as we close again, please uh, do share your suggestions, your advice. And uh, yes. again, glorious fails are always appreciated as well because we all <laughs> learn from them, unfortunately. Yes. And we need to learn from you. We don't know everything. Okay. We're just a couple of moms with no who have no fluff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Alma. Thank See you. you. See you next Bye. time. For more information, please go to www.2momsnofluff.com. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating so more people can hear it.